0: Your beauty is our duty.
1: Welcome back to the NBC Network with your host Hurricane H, new day, new show, new topic. A very interesting topic, a topic that, that will guide us towards some sort of inspiration and also will teach us a lot um, about things that happen in our lives. And sometimes we don't see these things happen and sometimes it may not happen to us, they may happen to others, but you never know who around us could be inflicted with such story that we're going to talk about today. So I got with me. Uh, David Alston. He is the host of the Underground Subway podcast, but he has a phenomenal story to talk about, to share. And it's probably going to touch a lot of you guys. And uh, you will probably not relate to it maybe, but it will open your eyes to big things (laughs) in life. Life is is, is full of surprises. And what we're going to hear today is going to be like, what? And so that's it. So without any further ado, I'll bring (laughs) David on. David, come on in. How are you, man?
0: How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Excited to um, be able to share just a little bit of what I've gone through with your viewers, and uh, I'm sure, hopefully, someone will be inspired to take everything that life throws at you and just keep going forward.
1: Well, listen, I I'm eager to hear. I I've read about the stuff, and uh, it is it is amazing. You know what you had to discover in your life, and and how it all started, and we are today and and what you're doing uh today is definitely changing lives and so so let's talk about the story itself and again i mean we're talking about just david austin but that's not your true name that you discovered later on <laughs> so 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 let's talk about what happened
0: well I've, I've always known uh ever since i was i mean my entire life i've always known from my mother that I was adopted. I was adopted at eight, seven months. And uh, so I've always known that, that I was adopted. And she would always tell me that, you know, you were adopted, you're not really my son, but I love you. It was just my mom and I in the house together growing up. And uh, I've always known that. And she's always told me, you know, you got brothers and sisters out there, but I can't find them. I can't locate them. We've always been trying to find my family. And so, um, you know, all of this happened. I was adopted at seven months. So you're talking the mid '60s or early '70s. During that time, growing up, life was totally different than it is now. Totally different. Totally different. Um, and one of the one of the things, one of the problems with being adopted then, as opposed to now, is that being adopted was a uh, not a badge of courage. It was a a stain on your life, you know. Uh, you didn't want if other kids knew you were adopted, you would often be teased, and it was just something you didn't really want anyone to know about. So I always knew about it, but I didn't really want to share it with anyone. And so one of the struggles, you know, I would have growing up is thinking, you know, this really isn't my mom, but it is my mom, and so I developed that love for her. And just, you know, it was just a difficult time knowing that. I've got family out there somewhere, mm-hmm. uh, somewhere. I remember, uh, years ago as a song, I think it was James Ingram. I think it was James. Ingram this song, a song about, I think from the movie Aladdin or something like that. And, and there's a line in the song that says somewhere out there. And I used to hear that and say somewhere out there, I've got some family. And I just went, you know, just going through life, knowing that I had family out there. And so eventually, at age about 18 years old i graduated high school my little cousin who was about five years old he's looking through the philadelphia phone book and so um that's where i was born and raised in philadelphia as you can see oh he goes uh, <laughs> go eagle fly eagles, fly go birds uh, and so he's looking through the phone book in philadelphia and the philadelphia phone book is about you know it's that thick it was a big book and he's just playing with it And my mom goes over to him and she says to him, you know, let me put that book down. And he says, well, I'm trying to find somebody. He's fine. He doesn't know what he's doing. So she says, well, give me the book and let let me find someone for you. And she opens up the phone book and she opens it up to the name of my biological mom. And she looks at it and she calls and, you know, let me see if this is really her. And my biological mom answers the phone and says, yes, it's me. I was, you know, running from people. I was in the, involved in some things that I didn't want my name published. Now I've changed my life around. I've given God my life and I told them, put my name in the book. And So that's how I met my family. And I remember, I remember that first night that I went went over to the house to meet my family for the first time. And I walked I was expecting this grand Re, you know reception but my mom was there my brother my sisters uh the, the nieces and nephews and they acted like hey come on in you just part of family come on in and i remember uh earlier in life when i was about i was actually in the seventh grade and i've always been very shy and i remember walking i was in junior high school and i walked into the hallway with my friends one day and I saw this girl and I said, man, she is cute. She's beautiful. She had the little clef in her chin. She was pretty. Oh, and my friend said, well, Dave, go talk to her. And I said, no, 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 I'm not going to talk to her. They said, go ahead. I said, no, I'm not going to say anything. She's older because she was in the eighth grade class. And I was shy. I said, no, but man, that girl is probably the prettiest girl I've seen in this school. My friend said, man, all these other girls. I said, no, that one right there, she is beautiful. And they said, well, go talk to him. No, 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 no. Well, fast forward to when I met my family that night. I come in and I'm introducing myself to everyone. Everyone's introduced themselves to me. And my sister walks over to me and she speaks to me. And she says, my birth name was actually Edward. And so she walked over to me and she says, hey, Eddie, nice to meet you. And I said to her, my name is David. And I said, that's the girl, the girl that I saw. <laughs> oh my saw. god, it was my sister. I guess that's what the attraction was. I was drawn to my sister, and so Amazing. I. Uh, and anytime, interrupt me with any questions or anything, you know, because I'll just talk. You know, I'll no, 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 podcast. yeah, yeah. I, I host a wanna... podcast, so I love to talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No,
1: no, listen. I told you this is gonna be fun stuff. Right. You know, so this is all you, right? But, but there's a few things that i want to just tell you first of all that is that is amazing i mean the idea that you were able to find your family and uh Mm -hmm. you know your biological mom and uh you know your your sister your brothers and and you know it's amazing the story that you saw this girl you kind of was attracted, but but it it was not that kind of attraction and then only to find out a yearly a couple of years later that's your actual sister Right. And you know, thank God for that, <laughs> because yeah. it would have been a really bad, <laughs> right. bad, bad discovery later on. But thank God for you know. But I guess everything works, you know, in in mysterious right. ways, because that's exactly what it is the the chemistry, the energy was not the opposite, you know, gender. It was right. like really right. blood, and that's and that's, that, and that's a, in itself, it's something to to think about, really, because mm-hmm. you know, family is drawn to each other. You know, it's you oh, feel yeah, that we yeah. see someone, it's like it's I don't know how far they are in your family when they're blood, they're blood, right? And yeah. But I wanted to go back to the the, the adoption piece, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there was, I mean, you mentioned something in the, the early the sixties and the seventies. It was it was a, almost a bad thing. Like you know, my God, you're adopted. Like you know, you got right. no parents. Blah, blah blah. It was like almost like a right. uh, right. like, taboo thing. And people were like, mm-hmm. uh, not looking at it like you know, it's a common thing. It was like you know. Oh my god, what happened to you? As opposed to supporting and, and and but you know, kids are brutal no matter what. Then and now oh, they yeah, still yeah. are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's just a yeah. different type of bullying type or you right. know, uh, attitude, but it just I don't think it never it ever changes because every generation is gonna have their own spin. But, right. but but the adoption piece was not a common thing today. You know, people adopt all the time. Uh there right. are policies, there's rules, blah, blah, blah. And it's it's very common, so people are very comfortable with the idea and mm-hmm. it's okay. One thing that that you mentioned was that you always known and so your your adoptive mother knew and she told you so the goodness is you didn't discover that later on so you that's were it. actually and and for our audiences i mean she is someone who took you in who <laughs> raised you as her own uh, loved you gave you the love did everything for you at least from from what i hear right now i'm assuming mm-hmm. that's all there and so so for that's there's biological and there is actual the people that do the work and we we see that in society all the time you have a lot of biological parents but they're not really active parents right you have some real parents that do the work you know with their and they may not be the biological parents and that's that's pretty common even these days so so this part of the story I think it's understandable right it's it's all uh you know it's difficult to hear because it is not simple and especially if someone is watching and listening if they don't have anything to to relate to in this they might like well, okay well i've seen those you know types of stories right but looking at it from your end living that life having to deal with all the nonsense in school and and growing that way and i always wondering if you had a family where's this family if you have brothers this is you yeah. could have for all we know you could have nobody and, right. and they may have been gone, whatever the case may be. But luckily you were able to do it. And it's amazing that, by the way, I was laughing. When you said the phone book, because today's generation may not know what a phone book is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> they, what's
0: the phone book? yeah, there's no such thing as such. like, you know, yeah, you it's just Google. Phone book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's phone book. yeah, Yeah, those things
1: are like humongous. You watch a couple right. of movies in the 90s. You know what I'm talking about. Right? <laughs> but but it's amazing. Like you got to flip through these things and, you know, yeah. you all these names and you
0: yellow you, pages. The
1: odds of that happening, too.
0: Right. Right. I mean, think right.
1: You could have well, you, know, you could have just a, a a goose chase, right?
0: There's more to that. there's more to that piece.
1: So let's talk about that
0: all right. well and and one of the things I've always struggled with uh, is the question because you mentioned that about the biological part. are we are we who we are? and and I'll get more to this down the road, but are we who we are based on the two factors of life? The two factors that contribute to who we are there's the, the nature part of who we are. And then there's the nurture part. Yeah. And are we who we are based on nature? Just who we are, who we, our family, our DNA, or is it because of the nurture, what is instilled or taught into us? And so that's always been, I've always been fascinated with that. And when you are adopted or when you are a foster child, Both of those aspects are stronger in your life and fighting each other stronger because when you're adopted or a foster child, you have your nature because you have your biological family. You have the DNA. I remember one time after I met my biological family, I walked into a room one day and my mom said that I scared her to death because she thought I was my father. She said, you look just like your father. She said, you tall, just like your dad. You got his height. You look just like him. And I happened to, at the time, I had on a white hat. And she said, your dad loved wearing white hats. Well, that's nature. But that nurture part of you is how you enter a room, the things that you're taught. So fast forward to, you know, I met my family. I sat, I stood there that night and I talked to my brother and talked to my sister. I went to my other brother's job. I found out that my family makeup was what I call the Brady Bunch. There were, there were six of us, six children, three boys, just like if you're old enough, you know, we talk about the phone <laughs> yeah. book. Most people write, who the who? The Brady Bunch. You're talking about Tom Brady? Not Tom Brady. I'm talking about Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Well, there were three boys and three girls in the Brady Bunch, and they were all, uh, I guess you can call them stair step, where it was, <laughs> they were just a year apart or so yeah. apart, and it was boy, girl, boy, girl. Well, my family was the exact same way. My oldest sister, it was the, the brother, then the sister, then the brother, then the sister, then the brother. And I was Bobby Brady, the youngest of the six. Wow. And so I had two brothers and three sisters, Brady bus. So I'm talking to my brothers. And I've talked to my brother that was closest to me in age. And we just talked when I first met him. I remember going to his job. He worked at the mall and I stood at the mall for we talked for three hours just getting to know one. And it was amazing seeing someone and talking to someone. It was like I'm looking in a mirror like this guy is me. I'm taller, but he's me. He looks like me. He has the same laugh. (laughs) <laughs> we have the same sense of humor. We like the same TV shows. And so if you can imagine me growing up for the first 18, 19 years of my life alone, I was an only child. It was just my mom and I. Now I'm thrown into a situation when I have three sisters and I have two brothers to bond with. And we play ball together. We talk together We stayed together 24. I mean, we just, and it was, it was a totally different world for me. Well, I also noticed that, that, that connection between my siblings and I, I wasn't really feeling it with my mom. I respected the fact that this was my mother, but there was really, it really wasn't, you know, and keep in mind, and I say this, I said this then, and I'll say it today, that and I stress this wholeheartedly that there was never, there was never, has never been and isn't today an ounce, not one ounce of, of anger or resentment against my mom for giving me away. I just never felt it I ne- because I always felt as though, number one, you, you didn't have to give me away. You could have just killed me, threw me in a dumpster or you could have done anything, left me somewhere you chose to you love me enough to give me away and I I appreciated that the other part of it was that I was so uh, I was so focused on my life at that point of the nurture what I learned being with this woman how to love people how to care how to how to articulate how to just be who I was I didn't have a male role model growing up and so I would have to turn I would turn on the television to find a male role model who do I pattern myself after? Who do I pattern my uh, intelligence level? Who do I try to speak to try to get a point? And the only person that I saw on a regular basis that I could relate to was a basketball player by the name of Julius Irving, Dr. J. And so I remember going to the 76er game and, and after the game, I didn't have money to get inside of the arena so i would go around the back of the arena and wait until after the game until dr j would leave and i would be there and i would walk with him to the car and get his autograph and shake his hand and i would just observe his mannerisms and how he treated people and that's who i pattern myself after and so i never had that male role model uh, other than uncles but i remember being at a funeral one night with my mom and I pulled her to the side and I said, listen, we need to talk. I said, I know that you feel that there's nothing between us and you think that there's nothing between us because I have resentment against you for giving me away. And she sort of said, you know, I thought maybe you felt, and I told her, I said, no, I want you to understand something. I grew up without her. She felt like that because she could see how I was bonding and all of my attention was on my brothers. I said, you have to remember something. I grew up without brothers. Mm -hmm. So now that I have them, there's a connection. But that part of my heart that is designed to go toward a mother is already gone to her. Mm -hmm. I said, so, you know, we, there's respect there. There is a type of love there because you're my mother, but it's not that, mother type love so from that moment on we sort of coexisted you know uh, with each other she would tell people i was her son but yet it, it just wasn't that really you know clicking so to speak and so um and that's how it, it stayed for years and years and so i remember going to i remember uh, we had our first family reunion and again, I'm thinking always, all right, who am I? Nature or nurture? And everything's been nurture because I don't know anything about my nature. One of the struggles with being adopted is when you know you're adopted and you go into the doctor's office and he says, well, do you have a family history of diabetes or heart trouble? And I'm saying, I, don't know. I do. <laughs> right, right. So I remember we had our first family reunion on my biological family. And I went and I took my daughter with me and they pulled out this giant table with a family tree on it. And there was a guy there who said he was going to make a presentation. I'm like, for what? Well, when they pulled the table out, when they looked at the table and they, uh, when they pulled the table out, my daughter began to look at it. And she said, dad, no one's going to believe this. No one's going to believe this. And I'm saying, okay, wow. It's interesting because when I looked at the family tree, I saw my name. I saw my, five siblings name and my mom and her here's one here's one that'll rock your audience my mom and her 21 siblings <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah 21 of them and i saw her dad my grandfather who had the same birthday that i had and i'm saying okay so no one's gonna believe my granddad and i had the same birthday or close to whatever she said no dad look at this no one none of my friends are going to believe this well i that's when i saw on the family tree that my biological grandmother when my mother was born when my mother was conceived my grandfather was 63 he had 22 children by four different wives well when my my uh, when you do the math my grandparents were born in the 1800s late 1800s and um my grandmother was Gola Ross, and Gola Ross's dad was uh, Henry Ross. Henry Ross's brother, and all this is on the family tree, Henry Ross's brother was Benjamin Ross. Benjamin Ross's daughter, who was my grandmother's first cousin, was Aramintia Ross. So Aramintia Ross and my grandmother were first cousins. So I'm first cousins twice removed from Aramintia Ross. Aramintia Ross then got married. Well, she changed her name to honor her mother to Harriet. So my grandmother was first cousins with Harriet Ross. Harriet Ross then married John Tubman. So my grandmother was first cousins with Harriet Tubman. And when <laughs> I saw that that I am, um, I guess, third cousins, or the technical term is first cousins twice removed from Harriet Tubman, The historian was there because they were erecting the only standalone statue of Harriet in Pittsburgh, which is where the family really was from and grew from. And I started talking to him and he said, yeah, that's your name right there. Your first cousin's twice removed. And he started talking about some of the character traits of Harriet. And he said, what you do when you're part of the family like that is you look for character traits in the family. That that are in your life now, I've just shifted from the nurture to trying to figure out where is my nature, what is in my nature. And he said things sort of like Harriet. She hated being late. She just had this thing about being uh, tardy. She just had to be on time. And I said, "That's me. I can't. I just. But he said something that really triggered something in my nature. He said there was a question once about whether or not she carried a gun. And he said, yes, Harriet carried a big gun. He said, but she didn't carry a gun for the sake of uh, defending herself against the opposition going forward. She carried a gun because the guys that she that the raw, the raw side of the family were all short, five foot. And he said Harriet was very short. She was a little five foot stump of a woman. But the guys she would often lead to freedom were six foot two six three 300 pound men and they would often get tired and say well you know what i'm not going another step i'm through i'm not going harriet would then pull the gun out and say wait a minute oh yes you are i didn't bring you didn't come this far to die now move it and i said you know what that's nature because i've got something in me that when i come around people that say i quit i'm not going any further there's something in me that just jumps up and say, oh, wait a minute. Oh, yes, you are. You're going to keep going. You know, life is life has thrown you blow after blow. And if it didn't take you out in 2018, if it didn't take you out in 2019, if the pandemic didn't take you out, then you're going to survive what you're going through in 2022 and you're going to make it to 2023. That's just who I am. And so now I've got this inspiration that now I, I, I have some some sense of direction in my life because I'm related to Harriet Tubman. So, I'm well, that's a big to, deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what was funny was that when I spoke with my siblings and other family members that were there, to them it wasn't. They were like, "Oh yeah, we always well." They took it for
1: that. granted. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they like, <laughs> Oh, we've always known that. And for me, it was, "Oh man, this is life changing." So you know what may be not important to you is critical to someone else. Yeah. And, and so um went through life, you know, going through the struggle. Now I'm entering this other phase. Now I'm in, again, stop me whenever. Now I enter this phase to which my uh driver's license and everything says David Austin, but yet my uh original name was Edward. And I'm wondering who am I? Because my adopted family is, a, is the Brights, B-R-I-G-H-T, bright, But yet I'm an Austin. Now I enter this struggle because whenever I am with the Austin family, I'm adopted. So I'm thinking, I'm not really an Austin. Austin. Then when I go to the biological family, to their functions, although I know I'm a Bright, but my name is Austin. I'm not really, I didn't grow up with you all. I'm not really... Right, right. And I'm struggling when I'm with my adopted mom and she'll say, well, have you talked to your mom? And I will say, "Uh, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I never want to talk to her about my other mom when I'm with my biological mom. And she said, how is Miss Austin doing? Uh, You know, I don't want to talk. I don't want to. And so I find myself in the middle and I'm sure many adopted people, children. Adults and foster children. Who do I owe my allegiance to? Is it the mother that pushed me into life or the mother that pushed me through life? And I'm torn between two mothers. And it was just a difficult stage of my life. I had no, I although I had two names, I had no identity. Because I didn't know, is it the nature of the bright? Or is it the nurture of the
1: awesome? So, so let me just you know just get in here because <laughs> you know <laughs> it is a, a very powerful question, and 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 especially for folks that may have you know experienced a similar you know upbringing, mm. right? Because it you know the first thing, and there are cases all over mm. about all over the world. This is this is mm. a, a, you know a reality for a lot of folks, and right. even and we don't know the circumstances of our lives. Today right. is one thing we don't. We don't know what happens to our lives in the future, and maybe we have a situation where we we can even have up springs and and mm-hmm. you know have this similar situation. And no one can can determine that you know I got this. Life is full mm-hmm. of surprises, and, and things happen. In the case you mentioned, nurture versus nature, and I love that because in essence you have both, right? I mean, you were you were taught by your uh, nurturing, you know, mom and 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 her side, right? And that's what you knew for the first 19 years of your life. And you discovered your background and your DNA and your traits, and you even find yourself going back to some historical stuff, right? And and you find yourself into that position. But but it is a difficult task to actually kind of like, to your point allegiance to
0: this here or to the other, right? And yeah. it's, a t- me, it's a tough let me, place. Let me, let me interject this, and then you can finish that point to show you how strong the nature was pulling on me as opposed to the nurture. Because to this point in life, everything I'm doing is nurture. Uh-huh. Everything about me, but then I've always had this thing where I can eat peanut butter. Right, give me some peanut butter and a cracker. I can <laughs> eat peanut butter. I can eat jelly. Jelly on a uh, croissant is my <laughs> favorite. You know, I I never could fathom how a human being could eat peanut butter and jelly. How <laughs> can you peanut butter and jelly sandwich? That is the most. I don't, I don't, I can't do that. I think it's just disgusting until one day I'm at my biological mom's house and she was talking about working in the school system with kids, ironically, same job that I was doing for 20 years. And she said that the kids came into the school and one of the kids came in with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I said, "Yuck! how can anybody eat peanut butter and jelly? That's nature. You mean not tell. I got that from her without even knowing that I got it from her. Amazing. So,
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's funny because you said you can eat the peanut. <laughs> you can eat I the peanut, but you kid, just
0: can't have both. <laughs> can't have both. And I just <laughs> didn't. Couldn't figure out why I was probably. I thought I was the only kid in America that didn't like peanut butter and jelly, until I talked to my mom, who said she didn't like it. Oh, you been surprised. A lot of people don't like to mix those things. you right. I mean, know or other yeah, things. They just mean, like everything with that taste. It's just amazing that I got that from her so
1: you know dna right it's it's powerful stuff there's you know we we are who we are by default and Mm -hmm. yeah there is environment you know that we are exposed to that can teach us right whether it's religion culture uh behavior all these things right your environment can drive how you you are good or bad sometimes right i mean some you know and and it's not necessarily something we cannot control Sometimes you're just exposed to things enough right. that it drives you a certain way. And then you right. can make the change. It's always up to us to make that change. But right. sometimes it's more difficult because you're not aligned to. So in this case, you have your personal DNA that is that is coming up. And, mm-hmm. and now that you have more connection with your background and your family, mm-hmm. now you're really, fi- you see seeing that. You're like, oh, I do that. I'm like that. This is me. Now you can see that, you know, on the flip side, you have the things that were taught to you by your adoptive mother and, you know, the things that, you know, you grew up with and the things that you've grown to like and not like and dislike and things to do, how to eat and so on. There's so many things that we pick up from our background and families. Right? right. But that was the family. And now you're just kind of like trying to balance the two. And, mm-hmm. and that, that is a tough place to be. I mean, it yeah. is difficult. Not like, not nice. Like you have a very problem with identity and, 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 that, and it doesn't, add, it doesn't make it easier when you have, Literally two names, you know, which one I, you know, you have a right. name that everybody knows. I mean, in essence, you are all of those. You are both, you know, that is, that's how I see it. You are Edward, you are David, <laughs> you know, you're Austin and you're bright. Although it's the name that was given to you, right? It's really the character that you are who makes you. Those names right. are are something, it's attributes, right? You know, they're given to us and we all have names we don't pick. You know, normally somebody right. picks them for us as our parents, right? You can change your name, but the idea is that's your identity. It's not just one, it's right. both. And and sometimes you find yourself, a lot of people get into the pickle like, well, who am I? Well, mm-hmm. you are all of this stuff because that's right. making your character. I mean, I I have a show with, with a psychiatrist, world-renowned psychiatrist, and this thing about identity is powerful because... People sometimes get lost about it, but it's really who you are. You determine that based on whatever discovery you have. In this case, you found who you were in terms mm-hmm. of heritage. You are still who you are in terms of, you know, nurture. And now it's really just one plus one. you just both. <laughs> At least, right. you know, you know right. so, so now when you get to that point, how do you manage that? That's the question. Because that's the hard part, I think.
0: Well, it's sort of like it's a it's a conflict because the question is, what do you do? When your when your nurture comes against your nature, when you discover this is my nature, but I've been taught by nurture that this shouldn't be my nature, but it is who I am. Uh, You talk about the names. What's ironic is when she adopted me, she gave me the name David. But as a middle name, guess what name she gave me? Edward. Edward. (laughs) <laughs> so now i have both names but yet they're two different they're two different names in every aspect and i hated i absolutely hated the name edward wow. if you remember when i first met them the first thing i said to them was my name's not Edward. my name's david. david i didn't want to be associated with that because of the stigma that edward meant that i was adopted And so I went through again, I'm going through life and I'm I'm connected with both, you know, both families. I'm trying to separate the two. Imagine uh, getting to this modern day where we are now with social media. And I have to post on social media about a cousin uh, on my adopted family side. Happy birthday, cuz, you know, what's going on, cuz. And yet to have my biological family looking. Who is that? Is that your cousin? oh, well, wait a minute, that's a cousin on this side of trying to separate. So it's a struggle. And the reason why I wanted to bring all everything out, because I think sometimes we overlook some of the struggles that children have being adopted and or being foster parents, that they are really pulled, like I said earlier, between two mothers, between two worlds, two different worlds. The Bright family and the Austin family were two totally different <laughs> types of people. And, you know, it's but yet they were alike as far as, uh, values, they were alike. Go ahead. You were going to ask.
1: No, no. I, I, you know, I'm listening to you. And when I think about it, right. I, I, I cannot literally put myself in those shoes, but I just understand that the fact is it is, I would go crazy as well. I mean, I, I would not know what to do because that is a very difficult place to be because am I here? Am I there? That's why I said, you know, You are both, in essence, you are, because you discovered that you are, but now it's a matter of making your own, you know, mixture. You know, almost taking the both sides and making your own version that is is applicable to you that actually makes sense for you. And that could be where you can be neither or. (laughs) Literally, you just become... Right,
0: and that's where I found myself, (laughs) because I was always... I always felt like when I grew up in Philadelphia, I always felt like I didn't fit, I didn't belong. Um, I remember... (laughs) I remember. I don't know whether to say this or not because uh, if anyone sees it, my friends see this, they'll totally. I don't. Well, I've already started. I might as well say it. I um. I was sitting at work one day, and one of my coworkers walked up behind me, and she said, "Mr. Austin, you you're not black." And I said, "Well, as far as I can tell, <laughs> I <like>, you know." <laughs> and she said she was actually studying a taking a cultural c- course. And she learned in the cultural class that African American men, their hair pattern is circular, and mine wasn't circular. And she said, "So you're not 100% black because your hair pattern isn't circular. It's sort of." And I said, "Okay." So I called my biological mom. and Said, "Look, who am I?" And that's when she began to tell me, "Well, you know the history of your uh, your grandmother on my side." She said. On your dad's side, your dad's father was a Lumbee Indian. And on, she said, on my father's side, his grandmother was white. She said, so you have white, Indian, black. I said, oh, I said, especially. this is the part where I didn't, I don't think I should tell it, but I'm out here on a limb now. I told her, I said, well, the white part explains why I don't like fried chicken. I don't like watermelon. And I listen to Barry Manilow. And so she said, you know, she said, whatever you do, don't tell.
1: (laughs) Well, again, now we're talking about the the nature, right? You can't do anything about your heritage. It is what it is. Right. And that
0: part, the actual that that that, that's strange, because uh, you talk about that. That's the nature part because of who my relatives were. But it was actually the nurture part because my first job, I worked in a men's clothing store in Philadelphia uh, called George Jacobs. And they were for big and tall men. And a lot of the professional athletes shop there. And because it was such a high-end store, not too many people came in to shop there. So we'd stand around and I worked with four old Jewish guys. And so what we would do, they would have the radio on all day with no customers. And we're just standing around listening to Sinatra and Manalo all day that's where I picked that up from so that was nature nurture from an entirely different source so I'm (laughs) feeling
1: well but again but that's good that's that's true for everybody right we all right you know you know you you're accustomed to again I I can tell you I mean I I I was born in 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 Morocco in Africa and and I came 30 years ago but, but you adapt to the culture you adapt to your you know everything right. to your surroundings you become different no matter what it's it becomes part of you and right. so you, you you accept some of it doesn't change who you are doesn't change your background right. I mean like I'm still like my kids may be different because they're right. born and raised here but for me I'm still attached to two continents and two cultures and two religions mm-hmm. and you name it I'm all I'm all between right but you try to to keep your identity where you can fit the best right and yes right when i'm the moroccans i'm moroccan when i'm the americans right. i'm american you know and so you try to be like where you can fit and you have some traits that come from both sides and then that we, we joke about it I mean, we talked about the soccer team earlier right yeah. but like like uh uh when a team plays together like you know like let's say morocco plays usa and both actually made it now that's going to mm-hmm. be a pickup for me like who do i cheer for <laughs> you know am i going to cheer for the u.s right. or am i going to cheer for morocco But I'm gonna just have two flags,
0: (laughs) you know. So I am. That's my point. That's my point because uh, because I always felt like I didn't fit because I always have this compassion for people. Uh, In high school, when I played basketball, I was devastated when we lost the game. Not because we lost the game, but I would look at my coach and I would say, "Wow, he's got to go home and tell his wife, you know, we lost." And I felt sorry for him. And so having compassion for people, now I find myself in a situation where I'm not torn just between which one to love more or to love, period. I don't want to hurt either one. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I find myself not talking about either one. That's not (laughs) the best part. Let me fast forward to the best part of the story. Because I know your viewers are probably saying, okay, yeah, yeah. No,
1: no, this is all pretty good (laughs) stuff, man.
0: I'm going through life, and um, you know it's the nature versus nurture. But yet, I had one dilemma. I said, you know what? I really don't want to um, stay here in the United States without the ability to travel because I could not travel because I couldn't obtain a passport. I couldn't obtain a passport, which means I couldn't go on a cruise. I can't go to Mexico. I can't go to Paris. I can't go. The reason I couldn't obtain a passport because there was no birth certificate ever created with my name on it. Um, You know, we mentioned earlier about the phone book. Well, it's something else that that was different back in the 70s. You didn't have the Internet. You didn't have Google. You didn't have uh, the ability to do the things that you do. So when it came time for me to get my driver's license, which I have a driver's license with David Austin on it. We got school records, a diploma, everything, but no birth certificate ever existed with David Austin on. it. I got my driver's license because during that time, the only thing you needed to do to obtain a license was you needed a social security card, which I had one of those with my name on it, and a baptismal certificate from church, which the church wrote out a baptismal certificate that David Austin was baptized September 9th,
1: Mm -hmm. you know, whenever,
0: I take this baptismal certificate and the social security card. That's my two forms of ID. And I get a driver's license, but yet no birth certificate. So I keep trying to get a passport and they're saying uh, we need a birth certificate. Meanwhile, I go to the Register of Deeds in Pennsylvania and I obtain a birth certificate that says Edward Bright on it. But there's nothing attached to it because (laughs) he didn't exist. He doesn't exist. Wow. David Austin exists, but doesn't have a birth certificate. So I'm just, you know, and so years and years of trying to figure this thing out. I actually went to an attorney and the attorney says to me, "Uh, Mr. Austin, you have a problem. The problem you have is that uh, the problem you have is that you are pumping money from a job into a social security account that you won't ever be able to prove is you because you don't have a birthday. He said, and the other problem is we can't do a name change because how are you going to change your name from David Austin to David Austin? You Hmm. can't even prove that you are David Austin to begin with. So I contact the local senator you know, maybe you can help me. He said, man, I can't help you, but I can tell you, you have a major league problem on your hands. He said, I've never heard of this and I don't know how you're going to resolve this, but you need to resolve. He said, because your fa- if you pass away, your family won't even be able to collect because you you don't exist. So the one thing they said that would help me is if I had my adoption papers. So I go to my mom and say, look, I know you adopted me in seven months. You know, um, can I get my adoption papers? She, yeah, I'll give them to you. I'll give them to you. And this went on that. We went back and forth for years. She never she kept telling me they're in the closet in a, in a box in the closet. where I keep all my papers. I'll give it to you. She never gave me my adoption papers. And then in 2011, at Thanksgiving, a day before Thanksgiving, she passes away. Oh. And I never got the adoption papers um so again i'm at ground zero not being able to do anything with my name or anything so i, I talked to my biological mom about it and she said you know well, i don't know what to tell you you know maybe you need to talk to someone um, i go to philadelphia she goes with me downtown to the registered These they talk to her and the only thing they were able to give her is a copy of my birth certificate that says edward bright which is useless it's just like a blank piece of paper because there's no life yeah.
1: right I, like just I born know. now and that's like today's right. birthday yeah.
0: right so um about five years ago three years ago not five years ago let me get it right about five years ago uh we're talking and we're you know she's on the phone with me and again keep in mind although my my adopted mom had died My biological mom and I, we really never really had that real bonding. But we were, that was my mom, but we never. So she calls me one day and we're talking and she says to me, "Um, how are you making out with getting your birth certificate and passport? And I says to her, I'm getting nowhere and it's just killing me. It's just emotionally so frustrating. I don't know what to do. I said, the only thing that I can get to help me is my adoption papers and she's gone and she gets real quiet and I'm saying, why are you quiet? And she's not saying anything. And I said, hello. Yeah, I'm here. I said, why are you so quiet? And she gives a big sigh. And she says, well, you weren't adopted. What? And so, you know, excuse me, what? (laughs) You know, And she said that just days earlier, Adam, something, she was somewhere with one of her nephews and the nephew asked her about me and said, Uncle David, is that the one you gave up for adoption? She said, and I screamed at him, he wasn't adopted. And I'm like, what do you mean I wasn't adopted? And that's when she began to share with me the true story of what happened, how uh, she was financially going through a rough time. She had a friend who had a friend who had a sister that was in the church that said, I can help you. The woman comes to the house, talks to my mom, tells my mom, I could help you. The woman being my adopted mom and says, let me long-term babysit your child for you. Want the baby and the sister. That way you can get on your feet financially. You don't have to worry about feeding or clothing the child or anything. I'll take care of the child until you get on your feet. Once you get on your feet, come and get your baby back. My mom says, no, just take the baby. I, I can handle the, the, my sister who was about 15 months older than I am. So she takes me home to long-term babysit me. My mom gets on her feet financially and she she comes to get me. And when she comes to get me, she knocks on the door. No one comes to the door. The neighbor comes out and says, Ma'am, who are you looking for? And she said, I'm looking for Miss Austin. The neighbor said, Miss Austin, you mean the lady that got that little baby? And she says, yes. The neighbor says, man, she left here. She moved out as soon as she got that baby. So I said, wait a minute. Do you know what you're telling me that happened to me? That's kidnapping. <laughs> Abduction. She said that, Abduction. Yeah. She said she went to the police and the police told her, uh, Miss Bright, Uh, technically your child was abducted legally. There's nothing we can do about it. The reason we can't do anything legally about it is because she did not come into your house, talk to you. And when you went to the bathroom, take your child and run off with your child, you You gave gave her the child, So we can't do anything about it. Oh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) wow. so you, you were saying like, you know, our audience is gonna be like, you know, bored. I, I think this just puts a whole different, you know, spin on things here. I mean, the idea of the adoption piece we understood, but but the fact that you are, you you throw two things at us right now. One is you're a person with literally no citizenship because you can't prove your right. citizenship. That's that's a that's a big deal. you got you know it's 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 almost like you know you live and it is difficult because you need to claim a land right you need to claim some sort of ownership you know where you belong you know you you are american as as they come but you can't you (laughs) have no documentation to to submit now i mean you could literally take become you edward right but then you have no linkage to that it's like you're born now (laughs) you're not you know so that's one problem now not only that you are throwing the idea that not only you were adopted, but you were literally stolen. I mean, adopted, abducted from from your original mom, right. and your I guess adopted mom ran away with you mm-hmm. and took you away. And then the law could not even protect you in this case because it, you were basically here babysitting my son for me, and then boom. So it was done with permission, with you know, without you know, foul play. The intention maybe was there. We don't know. I mean, she's gone, so no one knows that story. But the fact is. That in itself, I mean, for our audiences, if you're out there listening, watching, I mean, this is something that's huge because abduction is a big topic. I mean, we hear yeah. all the stuff now. Now there, it, it never stopped. I mean, we've I've heard since I was a kid, my parents were like, be careful, you know, people yeah. take kids and stuff like that. Uh, you know, it's always been out there. It's still out there, and but but the the ripple effect that happens over time is this. I mean, you are grown. You are here. You are helping people. You're in society, but then you're struggling just with the basic elements of you, which is your identity. You, you have a social security, you know, for one name that you don't have a, a you know a birth certificate. You can get a new social security, but this this is gonna be like almost starting a new life today, a new leave. Right. I mean your your birthday literally is going to be whenever that get you get that new <laughs> <laughs> so that's right. kind of an interesting birth certificate, right? But 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 now 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 let's talk about that right uh you know in a minute. I, I wanted just to pause, I mean like so when you found out about this abduction, I mean, you probably just flipped. I mean,
0: I, I would literally go. crazy. Well, she's telling me and I've got, of course, I've got tears coming because what is happening on the phone is for the first time while she's telling me this. And she's telling me that she immediately at that point, she started drinking and getting in, you know, just she, to try to drown because she's thinking i will never see my baby again. And her sister came and got her one Sunday and said, you're going to me to church because I'm tired of you going into a hole like this while they were at church. And this was this went on for years, for years. So by this time, when the sister finally came to pull her out of this hole, I'm about five years old. And they go to church and the pastor stops and says, you know what? I have an idea. And he divided up the church into twos groups of twos. And he said, by now he has to be in school. So they went to every school in Philadelphia elementary school to find me. They came to my school where I was, I was in the classroom. They came to my school and asked the secretary if if you have a student that's enrolled there. Secretary said no, because they had asked for Edward Bright. Right. She enrolled me. And later on, I saw the enrollment papers it had on there that my name was Edward Bright, but going by David Austin. Oh my so, God. so the had, school could have solved the problem. It really wasn't that obvious to the secretary because on the school roll, it didn't have right. Edward Bright. It had David Austin. But the enrollment papers had Edward Bright but going by David Austin. So in the system, they didn't put Edward bright. They put David Austin. So when they came and asked for Edward bright, there was no, Edward bright, it was David Austin. And while she's telling me this, the most amazing thing is happening. Our hearts that I told you, we didn't really, mm-hmm. all of a sudden it was just like magical because I'm thinking for the first time, what, the pain you had to go through losing your child. And so at that moment, there was a bond between her and I. And so we kept talking, we kept talking. She told me that even the story if you remember early when I said that my nephew, my cousin was looking through the phone book and how she called her. She said that she never, she called me. But that wasn't the first time she had called me. She said she always knew where I was. She would just would not let me connect with. me. I found out that my brothers played in the same playground that I was in. (laughs) I just didn't know them. So she said that that wasn't true about. She said I never told her on the phone that night that I was running from people. And I told them which I didn't hear the conversation. I just heard her end of it asking, was it her? She said, I never told her that. So it was just, you know, so um, I'm going to get to the end because we run out of time because I could talk all night. Let me get to the end. No, this is
1: powerful, man. The real
0: real, uh, kicker for me, that Christmas of 2020, uh, my biological mom really took sick. She, She passed away of the day before Christmas, two days before Christmas of 2020. And Sorry, I went, went to the hospital. Thank you. I went to the hospital uh, to see her in, in Philly or Jersey. And we I go in the hospital room and my mom never, she had a high pain tolerance. She never complained about pain at all. I mean, needles in the eye, all that. she just never complained. And we're sitting there and she telling me, she said, I've never felt this much pain in my life. I just don't, I said, don't, don't talk like that. And for the first time in my life, my mom says to me that she loves me. And I'm in the room like, you know, oh, wow, this is, you know, what's happening here? And so I get up and before I left the hospital room and I saw my mom for the last time, I got to the door. I turned around and I told her because I live in North Carolina. So I'm getting ready to drive from Philly to Carolina. And I say to her. Uh, now, I want you to remember, if you can remember what, if you can remember the first night that I saw them, what I said to my sister is is critical. Um, when my sister came over and said, hey, Eddie, hold up. So I'm looking at my mom and I t- tell her, I said, well, you know, I got a head on back. I said, I love you too. And um, hopefully I get to come back up here and see you real soon. If they take you, you know, you get out of here and go somewhere, I'll come see you, whatever. And she said, okay. She said, I love you, David. Drive carefully. And I turned at the door and I walked back over to her. And these were the last words that I ever said to my mother, my biological mother. I looked her in the eyes and I said to her, my name is Edward. Whoa. And the, the type of peace that, you know, and so she passed away on Christmas and, uh, I was determined to keep fighting for my identity, to do what I needed to do for her because she really wanted me to settle things. And it really didn't matter what name, she just wanted me to settle it. So I called Philadelphia registered D's and I and um to just talk to someone about my situation. And the, the automatic system said, Look, you got a three hour and 20 minute wait. No, no, I'm not waiting three hours. And about a month later, I'm riding along and It's like I can just feel this sense to call back up there. And I called up there and it said, you got a three minute wait. I said, I can do that. And I'll never forget. I spoke to an an older lady on the phone about my situation. And she says to me, you know what? I'm going to do something that if they found out I might lose my job. She said, but years ago, uh, she said, I can't can't, um, do a name change for you. She said, but years ago, people spelled people's names incorrectly on their birth certificate. They would spell Jackie, J-A-C-Y, and we'd have to correct it. She said, Mr. Austin, I am in the system right now, and I'm changing your birth certificate from Edward Bright to David Austin to say that they spelled your name wrong. And you will have a new birth certificate in three days. In three days, I looked in the mail, and I had a brand-new birth certificate with David Edward Austin on it. I immediately got my passport, and a couple months ago, went on my first cruise. And <laughs> I remember, you know, it was almost like I was fighting the tears back, standing there on the on the uh, the deck of the of the cruise ship, while I held the glass up in the air and said, "You know what, Mom? This one's for you." And you know, and I tell people, no matter what you go through, you just have to keep fighting. You know, I'm from Philly and there's an old saying, you're from Philly, we fight. I remember telling my daughter one time, I said, you know, we hear lines in a movie, but sometimes movie lines are powerful. And one of the most powerful movie lines I've ever heard comes from a movie about Philadelphia, a Philadelphia named Rocky Balboa. And Rocky said, life will knock you down and keep you on your knees if you let it. But it's not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep coming back. And for me, ever since I was seven months old and found out I was adopted, life kept hitting at me and hitting at me. And just when I thought it was over, when I thought, you know, I can't take any more pain, I can't, can't do it anymore. When my mom told me that and I, I immediately called some of my family members to say, wait a minute, this can't be true. And to hear family members saying, oh, I believe it's true because she told us she found you on the doorstep of the church. You know, to to hear different ones saying, wait a minute. So the conversation she had, it all makes sense now. When I heard her telling her sister, oh, I wasn't giving him back. Things like to hear all of that, they are constant blows coming. But you got to be bigger than the blows that hit you. You're going to get hit. It's just a part of life. You know, you're going to have trouble in life, whether it's back trouble or family trouble. In my case, (laughs) nurture trouble. But you got to keep fighting back. And I spent all of my life just, you know, living, living off of nurture versus nature. Now, at my age, I'm 57 years old. And to hear my sisters tell me, you know what, mommy's been gone for two years, but you talk just like her. You sound like her, your wisdom is just like her. That means I'm shifting now to my nature because the nurture part of me got me where I am. If you line my brothers and my sisters up in the room, you may think I was the oldest instead of the youngest because of the nurture that I received. But I had to take that nurture and utilize it to, to help others because we're here and we're here for a purpose. Yeah. And so I started that podcast called The Underground Subway in honor of Harriet, who had the Underground Railroad. But I said, we're not living in a time where we got an underground railroad, we're modernized. So we've got the subway. And so only thing we talk about is how can we live a better life? How can we live a, a life of freedom? What does freedom mean? Being able to, to function without restraints. And I know they said, Harry said it, we found out that maybe she didn't, but there's a quote that said, I could have freed a lot more slaves if only they knew. And I always quote that because to me, it says that in life so many times we have things holding us back and we don't even realize that we have chains holding us back. It's, it's become a norm for us. And when it becomes a norm for you, you don't try to become liberated. You just think this is the way it. Is. And so I try to reveal to people, listen, uh, whether it's mental health, whether it's finances, whether it's your physical health. All of us have things, whether it's our past, whether it's relationships, whatever it is. All of us have some things in our life that is always trying to hold us back. We need to reveal what it is. And it is up to you. It's up to you to break the chains. Not me. I can't do it. Because I I say this sometimes on my cell phone. Going back, we used to have, um, before we had the GPS system on the phone, we had the little Garmin box. And before that, we did (laughs) MapQuest. You, uh, you got to you know, print them out. <laughs> you got to print it out. But what, what it shows you is it shows you where you are and you have to determine. You have to put into the system where you want to go. The GPS is not going to tell you where. To, it may recommend some places for you to go based on your past history. But you have to tell life, this is where I want to go. This is what I want to do. The GPS podcast such as this show such as this will show you this is how you do it. This is the direction. It will tell you this is how long it's going to take to get there. You're going to encounter certain things along the way. One of the things I love about a GPS, it will tell you you have two options. You can go the fast way or the longer way. However, the faster way will take you to toes. And through toes, you're going to have to pay to get there quicker. If you don't want to pay the price, you're going to, it's going to take you a longer time to get there. But after all of that, after it tells you how long it's going to take you to get there, after it shows you the road, some difficult detours and everything, you have to hit that go button. And when you hit the go button, it will tell you, now starting route to your destination. And so I went through something that maybe maybe it was nothing to someone else. But for me, I've encountered a lot of tears, a lot of heart pain, a lot of confusion in my life. But at the, as the young people say, at the end of the day, I hit back. I took the blows. And I'm better for it. And I told my mother before she died, I said, all that happened to me, I said, first of all, I only have one question. Why did you wait so late to tell me? And she said, because I didn't want you to have bad feelings toward her. And I said, listen, what you told me didn't change how I felt about her one bit. But it did change how I feel about right. you. Yeah. I said, and that's what matters. I said, because there's a part of my nature and a part of my nurture that taught me to love everybody, to love without any conditions. And it's a part of my nature and a part of my nurture that taught me how to fight through every adversity. And someone may be watching, you know, you got to fight. You can't give up. You can't. I'm, you can't. Not now. Not now. You have come through too much, too much adversity, too much pain to stop now. Keep going. You got a destiny. You gotta do it. You gotta keep going, not just for you, but for the next generation. You gotta be that one that someone looks at at the at the tree, the family tree, and see your name. And they ought to say, wait a minute. I'm related to her. I'm related to him. He's a survivor. I tell people all the time. ABC, whoever it was, they wasted millions of dollars spending on TV cameras and crews and everything taping a show called Survivor. All they had to do was call me and I'll tell them, you're <laughs> the survivor. And all they got to do is call you. You're the survivor and you can do it. And, and, and I, you know, I, I know I talk a lot, but I, I really I'm really passionate about survival through everything that we go through and we have a purpose and we don't have long. I mean, you know, life is short, man. You know, I've, I've been going through a time recently when it seems like all of my childhood friends are just dropping, just dropping, just dropping. I recently, I'm going to say this and and uh, I'm going to turn it back. over You know, I recently, I went to the doctor and the doctor told me, she said, you know what, Mr. Austin, I'm going to schedule you uh, for an appointment. She said, I have a concern Because of your family history, um, I have a concern about your heart. My dad was so popular, they did a write-up on him in the New York Times because my dad had seven, seven heart incidents, minor attacks. The seventh attack was a major attack that took him out, and they couldn't understand how a man could have so many heart incidents like that and survive. The seventh one took him out at age 37. My brother died at age 50 from a massive heart attack. My sister had two transplants and passed away and died at 42 years old. The doctor said to me a few months ago, she said, I'm concerned because of your family history. We need to uh, run through the scope. We need to go into your heart and, and see can we find something before it's too late. And so we scheduled that, ironically, the day after I got back from the cruise. So I get into the doctor's office and I'm sitting there with him and he comes into the room. He takes my EK, EK, EKG. He looks at my paperwork and he says, Mr. Dawson, i got one major question for you going forward. I said, yes, sir. He said, why are you wasting my time? I said, what do you mean? <laughs> he said, your dad had seven. What did your dad basically do after each one? I said he would leave the hospital and go home and get drunk. He said, and that's what did it. He said, Do you drink? No. He said, We can check that off. He said, What happened to your brother? I said, Well, he wasn't very active at all. He didn't exercise and he, you know, he did a little drugs here and there. He said, Boom, we can mark that off. He said, What happened with your sister? I said, Well, my sister had a baby. And after the baby, he said, That's called post, uh, post something dealing with maternal having the baby how the having the baby kicked her heart out of rhythm which ruined her heart. He said, we don't have to worry about you having a baby. He said, none of those apply to you. He said looking at your EKG, he said, what do you do? I said, well I I do spin class while I'm on that exercise bike. He said, well, why would I even give you a stress test? He said, every time you're on that bike, you're having a stress test. I said, yeah. He said, so why are you wasting my time? Go home enjoy your life and i you know (laughs) wow how many of us are worried i'm sorry i said one more thing this is it right here before my mom died my adopted mom died she told me she said baby you said something to me at eight years old that changed my life i said what what could i have said at eight she said you came in the room one day and you said to me mommy why do we worry about things we can't control She said, that just blew me away that at eight, you said that. And that's been my motto. Many of us worry about things we can't control. (laughs) Why? Just control the things that you can control. Don't worry about what you can control, fix it. And what you can't control, let it just work towards your favor. Let it just work in your behalf because everything eventually comes together to work in your behalf. Who knew when I was adopted that I, I would be a podcast, you know, I'm a, a podcaster. Who knew that I'd be, you know, right now working uh, for the University of North Carolina in their uh, department, division of oncology, dealing with, with cancer patients. Who knew that I would do that at seven months old when, when I was abducted? And I've gone from abduction to pure happiness right now. And so I would tell anybody. I take no excuses for what you go through. You can cry, you can bleed. You can lay there for a few minutes, but you're going to have to get up and get back in the fight. We don't throw in towels. <laughs> We're from Philly. We fight.
1: <laughs> I actually I think this message is for everyone in this planet. Uh it, it, I I couldn't even interject because it was just so powerful. I mean, uh, the the whole thing shifted and uh you know i i I do recall when you mentioned something about you know you didn't have any uh resentment for your biological mother first you know when i heard the latter part of the story now i realized that she had all this pain herself in you know with her and and you know just just as a mother not to be able to tell you because she's protecting you and, and your vision of your you know adoptive mother that is, that is, and then luckily you didn't have a negative feel for her. You didn't attach just to her, but you did that. That was like a, a moment for me. It just kind of like threw me off because just hearing that story at the end where you really found out what it was and that she, that's true love actually that she had, but she couldn't do anything about it. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, I am, I'm so happy that you found all that stuff at the end and you were able to clear the air and be who you were and finally found your identity and, even better when i heard that you were able to get your paperwork and your cruise, and you did all the <laughs> stuff and and then then the message that you've you brought today to the world literally philly new york uh, anywhere in the world you know that message is a message of hope inspiration and uh you know just success in life living life you will throw in left and right at you you'll get storms you get all kind of stuff but your story i mean if a lot of people, they get challenged with little things and they go crazy and they just lose it, right? Or they think that the world is ending. What you had to go through is not a picnic. It's years of struggle and it, mm-hmm. it's it's tough. And people are going through things every day. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, different levels, different things. Everybody's got their own problems, right? And But but really the message is that no matter what phases you're, you're in life, you can prevail. You will prevail as long as you don't give up and you're continuously yeah. focused on the final. You have the ability to write the chapter. I love the analogy you said about the GPS. Yeah. <laughs> and you, yeah, you you want a tall road, that's fine, but it's gonna cost you. You It'll want a longer money. road, it's gonna cost you one way or the other, you're paying something. That's right. One is time and, and effort, the other one is more money, and which that's right, that's right. <laughs> one way that's gonna cost you, but you determine which route you take, shortcut, long term, long, long road, whatever. But you will get to the destination and you will determine the destination i think that's powerful the fact that you you mentioned something about the condition of your brother your sister your father and and then you had the concern and you were you know you had a clean uh, bill of health and, and that's beautiful because of your habits because of your practice what you do your daily lifestyle and and you know that in itself again by the way, you mentioned fifty-seven, dude. You look much younger. <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> You're looking good. I mean, <laughs> I you, there's no doubt there. You know, so so that's that, and that's a, that that's a, a, literally a result of how you manage things, right? You don't dwell on things. You are pushing. I know. Before we even got on the show, we talked about why you do the job that you do, the work you do, the podcast. Is to bring this message to people, and you do this every, you know, on on a regular basis. Your podcast is out there for people to encourage people to be better and to be literally just full of energy and full of hope. and And, and that's the thing: you have hope, you can change the world. You have hope, yes. you can change your destiny. You have hope and believe you can do everything. Hope alone, it's one thing, but believe and and really go through it. Uh, the, the, the 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 line from from Rockies movie it's it's a tradition is a classic and yes. exactly right i actually I, I think i just shared it a couple of weeks back on, on okay. posts. <laughs> you know it is you know it's always a classic it comes back every now and then and you see it it just gives you like that motivation and again coming from you from philly <laughs> it's <laughs> even better right but the fact is these are the things that sometimes we take for granted but life is never going to be easy and right. and and by the way the minute you think it's gonna be easy or it's gonna ease up that's when you're wrong it's gonna throw some yeah. left and right you know some you're gonna get a little bit of a sidekick a little bit of a blind side you know business but just stay focused you said it you're gonna bleed you're gonna fall you gotta stand up and go it's not how many right. times you fall is how many times you know you stand yeah. <laughs> and you just gonna have to be you know at the end of the day, standing to the last minute even with your biological mom even before mm-hmm. she departed look how long it took and yet she left at peace you had the peace and that was beautiful the fact that you were able to to clear that and live after that you know knowing that it was a beautiful moment it was clear and now it she's really your mom your love and and so you were able to get that that itself is 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 a, is a story on its own of success and and and, and getting there but then you 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 were able to do things and that's the other thing some people they think that I can never make this. It's going to mm-hmm. be the the end is happening. Well, you had, I mean, 15 minutes ago, you were a man with no country. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Literally, technically, right? You had no no right. citizenship, right? But now you have all that. Now, just 15 minutes of a discussion is a few years in life of your life. But, but the fact of the matter is someone at that time frame, they'd be like, it's over. There's nothing for me. But you never gave up. You kept going. You kept asking. And you did all the stuff. That's the other thing. People want things to happen, but they don't do.
0: You have to do it. That's right.
1: You gotta do it. You did it. Right. You went through the motions and you never lost hope and you never gave up, but you kept the action. So you were always you believed you took the action. You know, and that's really what it takes. And and so this, the work you do is is admirable. And I, I think you know, keep up the great job, man. I mean, I love what what we've heard today. I think this this story, this show. Is so powerful for many people. And I don't care what race, what location, what religion, what country, you know, if you're listening to this one, because we, we, we go live across the, the, the nation here and across the globe, no matter what language you speak, if you can actually get to this and, and pick up the, the vibe from the show, folks, I can guarantee you there is something here, a lesson learned for life. And you can share this, this message across, you know, again, the world and you will help someone get by. You will help someone find themselves. You will help someone literally live a better life and happier life. And yes, happiness comes with prices sometimes, and you want to get through it. Obviously, we ask that we have the least possible struggle, but that's not always guaranteed. Things are going to be out there, and you don't. Again, you don't. You don't select your life. You that's are right. given. You are given. Uh, you know, literally, you are dealt certain things from the upbringing. You did not select to be. You know, in this position, you discovered you in this position as life went on. Most of us have the same circumstances. You grew up, you know, we, you know, immigration, this and that people are born all over the world. They don't choose where they like. Everybody would love to be born somewhere where everything is perfect. Right. Right. (laughs) But everybody is born somewhere. And, you know, you don't pick that. We don't pick our parents. We don't pick our society. We don't pick our religion. We We are born into these things. And then we discover ourselves eventually. And then we make the difference as we go. It may Mm -hmm. be easy to some, it may be difficult, and it doesn't matter. Money, not money. I think even with money, you have struggles. (laughs) Sometimes even worse, you know. So it doesn't matter what your you know background is. You will have that, and the only way is to keep the hope, keep the motivation, keep the inspiration going, and believe and know that it's going to be there. The light is going to be at the end of the tunnel. Just believe that. You just have to do, but don't give up. That's the Mm -hmm. problem. People give up too soon. And they collapse and they they take the wrong decisions and they make the wrong stuff and they affect themselves. I mean, you could easily have gone, you know, literally rogue (laughs) and did a bad thing to yourself and hurt yourself. Right. But you didn't. You didn't. And now look at you. I mean, you are inspiring generations. And and yes, one day this podcast will probably be somewhere. I mean, I'm talking about mine. I mean, I'm talking about yours, (laughs) you know, that that someone's going to look back like, oh, my God, you know, look at this stuff that's being juiced up by by by. Uh, now i can say david edwards <laughs> yeah <laughs> so 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 it's something that is powerful right and you know I, I personally want to thank you i mean i know we've run out over the the time frame but really this is a discussion that deserved more time and yeah, you, you, you literally deserve that man i mean i thank you for 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 even sharing that with us uh, and and really i it is a message for hope it is a message for believe it is a message for inspiration someone out there can really take this to the bank and apply it your circumstances may be what what you and and by the way for people who have gone through similar stories and they are you know adopted abducted uh, foster parents whatever the, the, the cases may maybe there is an opportunity for you equally as anybody else you will be able to do better as long as you don't choose the wrong path again the gps you pick the wrong route you know wrong time wrong place wrong right destination <laughs> it could be a problem but Pick the right destination, know where you want to be, and you will get there. Whatever the struggles that come along, you will get there. And yeah. I mean, that you know, and I think that's that's powerful. So normally, actually, your message is for people who have experiences similar, you know, life, but mm. also for people that may have different circumstances, but they still add up to the same. At the end of the day, you know, I mean, we've talked, we talk about rate of suicide. Many mm. people commit suicide because they they see the end, they cannot yeah. go beyond it. And I, I don't want to judge anyone. But, but you know some that's the way out right you know, I, I can't do this anymore and, and it is not a good feeling to hear about it and it's 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 skyrocketing as, as, as a you know a problem right in society we have that across the world and but but believing maybe this message can stop someone from even considering such a thing or an action right this message can get someone the hope that they might have you know lacked you know for whatever reason they were not hearing it so maybe this message can be the reason why someone, lives a longer and more prosperous life so we just hope from this platform and you know with your help and and your message here that we can turn and help people whatever they are whatever they might be so so i listen I've we've talked you've talked a lot i've talked a lot but but like you know i want to just close this with your final piece of advice to our audiences what what would that simple message be
0: my message would be to just love one another love yourself Uh, keep a mirror in front of you to which which you can evaluate yourself when you evaluate yourself if you don't like what you see a mirror is not there just for you to see what's in the mirror it's there to give you an opportunity to change what's in the mirror and if you see yourself as depressed and suicidal i've been there i've been there i've laid in the bed at night with my gun on my pillow thinking I need to just end this now because I can't take anymore. Called my daughter and said, Dad, she said, Dad, don't even think about that. If you don't want to live for yourself, live for your grandbabies. And it made me realize something, that we can't be selfish to the point where I take my own life, the impact that it will have on other people in your life that love you, because someone does love you, and you have to love yourself. Love yourself enough that when you get to that point where you feel like you can't make it, the biggest word in the English language consists of four letters. H-E-L-P, help, cry for help, seek help. There's always hope and there's always help. And I always end every podcast with this challenge and I wanna challenge everyone that's watching with this challenge that before you go to bed tonight, Find a mirror, a physical mirror, and look yourself in the eyes and ask yourself this question. Today, did I do something to work toward my destiny? Did I do something to get toward where the GPS system is taking me? Or did I just waste another day? Think about that. We don't have any time to waste. If you need help, ask for it. But you've got to hit that button and start living. Start living.
1: Uh, you know that that is powerful. I, I I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna ask that question. <laughs> you know, I think everybody it, it is powerful. Thank you so much. I mean, uh, thank you. Not now, like I said, I'm gonna call it David Edward. <laughs> 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 you know, it was it was a true pleasure having you. An honor, and uh, you know, thank it's a you for
0: me. I'm so honored and humbled. To no, be here.
1: dude, this is this is this is powerful stuff, and I enjoy it. And, and I know we can make a difference. And 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 you know. We can only do it with your message because this is power stuff. And coming, I mean, we didn't, you didn't mention this part in earlier show about having the thoughts that you wanted to end live and the message for your daughter also that that's all impactful. So folks, again, you watch this, listen to it a couple times, you know, whatever you do, just do this one a couple times, just so you can sink it all in. And I guarantee you live will be a whole different spin for you. You will see yourself living much better and and happier no matter what happens no matter what phases in life you're going to be able to face it so so again thank you so much for being on the show and uh, you know for just it's just so great um and folks thank you for being on you know with us watching and listening and taking the time it is a longer show but it's really worth every minute every second of your life and it this it can be the time where you can become a whole different person and a happier person and live a happier life for how long as you live, you know, and probably maybe even change your destiny to better things. So take it for what it's worth. And uh, that's about it. So we're coming to the end of the show, Uh, David, Edward, (laughs) thank you so much. and
0: Happy holidays.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Happy holidays. Yes. (laughs) And and so folks, we will be talking soon. New day, new show, new guest and new topics. Stay tuned. Bye for now.